Amen. I believe he believes that. Amen. Well, how y'all doing tonight? Amen. I'm thought I was getting shocked. They teased me over there at our church. They said they're going to get one of them shock collars to tell me when to quit. But I thought maybe Dennis had one I didn't know about. But anyway, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad my wife's here. She had been gone when I was getting worried. I don't know about y'all, but it's good to have a partner that stays beside you. And my best friend, my ministry partner, I don't always say anything, but she don't like me to. But if she knew how much I missed her, I don't know how I could preach. I'm sure God would give me the grace if that was his will. But it's a comfort to see her sitting out there because I know she's praying for me more than anybody else out here. And I don't know about you, but we all need people who pray for us, who love us, support us, encourage us. And I thank God for the encouragement he's given me and my wife. Tonight I want to talk to us about a sermon. And I done forgot my little gadget. That is dear to me. When I first got saved, some of you have heard some of my testimony. I came from addiction. Drugs, alcohol. I was married for eight years with my wife as an addict, an alcoholic. She was able to tell me when she finally got tired of me being that way. Been married to you eight years. I can't count on one hand. <laughs> Five weekends you haven't went off with your buddies and got drunk. And then I got saved. My wife got saved. I started going to church. And I remember when I went to church. I'm like a lot of people. I had had a previous profession of faith. I had had a religious experience with Jesus. But I had never had a genuine relationship to where I actually met Jesus. And in the course of that, I got saved. And I don't know about you, once I early got saved, I really wanted to live a life that honored Jesus. I wanted to change. I didn't ever want to drink again. And God, by His power and by His grace, took drinking and took drugs instantly out of my life, but I had fear that I was going to do it again. I was just scared. And I of y'all have a, voice, a verse that God gave to you that's your special verse. This is my life verse. It's my rima. It's God's personal word that he has spoken into my life. And it's in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. I'd like to talk to us today about true power and what it means to experience and understand what it means to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your life. Because every one of us is saved. We're not alone in this battle. Amen. That song's a wonderful testimony that when you're in the fire, he's right in there with you. Amen. His strength, his power. And Paul writing to the Ephesian church says this verse right here that I want us to read tonight. And it says right here, if I can get this thing to work. Uh-oh, there we go. Finally, my brethren. Finally, my brethren. When he says my brethren, he's talking about us. Brothers and sisters in Christ. Save people. Finally, what's he talking about? Finally, what? Well, all he's been writing previously in the letter. And we're going to kind of go back and work back up. So he says, finally, after what all God's done for you, what all I'm telling you that God has given you in grace, you have access to all the spiritual blessings that are in Christ Jesus if you're saved tonight. And he says, finally, my brethren, my, my sisters and my brothers in Christ, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I don't know about you, but I got to looking at that, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of it, and he gave me faith to believe it. <laughs> and I got to thinking, I'm young, I've only been saved a couple months. I went to my pastor, I said, I think I'm getting carried away, Pastor David, with this, with this Bible. And this. I said, but I believe this is telling me that when if I'll stand firm in 
God that I'll experience the power of his might and I'm not alone in this thing. He said, son, you're, you're, you're understanding exactly right. Well, he got to talking to me and I shared how God had delivered me and I'd been clean and hadn't drank in three months and how I was scared I was going to do it again. And he's got to talking. He said, would you share your testimony? And so when I shared my testimony, I shared this verse. And this verse has become dear to me. And I want you to think about this. I want to talk to us tonight about true power. When we think of power, we think of things like just happened, a tornado. We think of things that we look at and we're... We say, that's power. But I want you to look at the dictionary's version of power. Webster's Dictionary says that power, look at what it says, is the ability to do something or act in a particular way. And you know what? God can do a lot of great things. He's powerful. His power is here. He's been doing wonderful things. He healed Brother Dennis's shoulder. And just last night, Sister Robin's here. And tonight, she's been coming. She's a member of our church. And she gave testimony. She said, I had an ingrown toenail. I'd been to the doctor. They done worked on it. She said, but it, I, it would not get well. It would not quit bothering me. And she said, it was constantly throbbing. She said, that night, <laughs> when I was at that service, she said, I didn't realize it until a week or two later. My toe don't hurt no more. And I don't know about you. I'm thank God he still heals shoulders. Ain't it good that he'll heal a toe, an ingrown toe, amen. But you know what? The greatest thing of God's power is that he can take a lost man from the world. Take him out of the world. Save him. Birth him into the kingdom of God. Put his spirit in him and give him power to stay out the world. And even more important, don't let the world in him. That's why the Bible says, be not afraid that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? That power, that strength of God is in us. Listen to what Webster says. He says that the physical strength and forth exerted by something or someone, like the power of a storm, it's also the capacity or performance of an engine or a device that he applies full power. And we, we rate motors by horsepower. Now, I got a weird way of God showing me things. And when I grew up down in South Louisiana, we had to cut grass. Kids nowadays don't have chores. But we had them. And we had about a five-acre yard. Half of it had a little lot fenced off. We had a quarter horse and a Shetland pony in. And about three acres of it was grew the thickest, luscious St. Augustine grass you ever walk across. And my daddy had a Yazoo lawnmower. Y'all remember them? It wasn't self-propelled. At 12 years old, it took a pretty good lad to crank it. And my daddy tricked us into cranking it. And the first time I got behind it, I thought I was trying to push along a bulldozer. And he said, when I get home from work, you have that front side cut. Boy, I got out there. Man, I didn't take long to find out I didn't like that Yazoo no more. And you know what? Spring's coming. And you know what? Power. I hope this will help you think. God's given us the power of his might. And there's way too many church people trying to live out the Christian faith in the power of their flesh. In the power of religion. In the power of what we can do for God when God's already promised, if you'll just believe me, I'll do it for you and through you and in you. And I want you to think about this. Spring's coming, man. Now, if you are getting ready to cut grass... How many of you would want to look forward to cutting all summer with this? Now, this is an electric thing. It's up there at um, Home Depot, all these. So, I don't know about you, but that's better than cutting it the way they probably used to. 
But you know, I remember my daddy made us cut that grass with that old Yazoo lawnmower. Then one day he came home with a brand new snapper. 12 horsepower. He never let us cut grass again. He liked cutting grass after that. <laughs> we wanted to get on that snapper. He wouldn't let us on. He knew we'd have tore it up. <laughs> but after that, he didn't mind cutting grass. You know, spring's coming. Grass is going to start growing. That would be better, wouldn't it? Yeah. And, and, and you know what? You might get by in the flesh. Religion will help you. Religion's got a bad thing. But man, listen. God's given us access to the power of his might. I don't know about you, but I want to cut grass with this. Amen? Ooh, that's a bad boy. Outlaw XP, 37 horsepower. Man, I don't know about y'all. You could do some damage in that. You know what? We all have access to the bad boy power. And we all going through life as Christians pushing a little old thing like I showed. Which one would you want to use out of those? And you know what I find? Church folks are notorious for I know he can do it if it's his will. I want to show you something tonight. It's not if it's his will, it's already done. If you're saved, his spiritual power is in your life. Flip back with me to chapter 1 of the book of Ephesians. And I want you to look with me here. And Paul's writing to people that are saved. Look at what he says in verse 15. I don't know about y'all, but this encourages me every time I take time to look through it. Paul says, therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus. May I tell you tonight that if you ever get faith in the Lord Jesus, life on earth will never be the same again. That faith in the Lord Jesus is much more than I'm going to make it through and get to heaven one day. No, faith in the Lord Jesus brings heaven to you the moment you get saved. Eternal life does not start when you get to heaven. Eternal life starts the day you meet Jesus and you get born again and he puts his life in us. Now guys, look at this. Paul's telling this church, people just like us who have faith in the Lord Jesus, therefore... I also, verse 15, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And listen to what Paul's praying. He ain't praying like most of us are doing on Wednesday night prayer meeting. We're praying for ingrown toenails, and we ought to, Miss Robin. <laughs> we ought to be praying for people who are sick. But listen to what Paul's praying for this church. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. If you have the spirit of wisdom to know right and wrong, to know what God says is morally righteous, you learn that by the help of God. You can read the Bible, but look at what he says. And revelation in the knowledge of him. I don't know about you, but I realized one day, I didn't find Jesus, he come found me. Amen? When I was blind, he gave me eyes to see. Look what Paul's praying in verse 18. That the eyes of your spiritual, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Guys, we don't understand all the spiritual things that we need to understand by our own ability. It's by the aid and the enablement of God. How does he do it? By the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, he blesses us and he shows us and he enlightens and opens our understanding so that we will know Jesus in the capacity he wants us to. Listen to what he says at this one though. This is where I want to get to. It's going to be good. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in us, the saints. And look at what he says, verse 19. I'm going to put it on the screen for those of you who don't have a Bible. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? And where is that exceeding greatness being manifested and being placed? Look at what he says in verse 19. 
verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power. Paul's saying every one of us who believes in Jesus, we have access to the exceeding greatness of his power. Paul understood that. That's why he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but when I forget to put faith in Jesus to help me, it don't take me long when I start doing it in Marvin that I start getting frustrated. I start getting tired. When you do it in Jesus, in his power, it bears fruit. It brings joy. Guys, listen, there's nothing worse than going to church when God's spirit ain't there and there's no power. It's drudgery. If you've got to make yourself go, something's wrong. Amen? Because when God's there and His power's at work, you want to be there because He's stirring you. Listen, not only that, but turn with me to chapter 3. Look at what Paul prays in this same book. And I'm using this to get you to where I really want to preach and show you something tonight that changed me and how I look at serving the Lord and walking with faith. But in chapter 3, he's praying again for him. And listen to what he says in verse 14. In verse 14, he's talking about the power again. And listen to what he says. When I first got a grasp of this, it just began to change my whole outlook on how I live as a Christian. Look at what he says in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That's us. And that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. And look at what it says. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You know, I look at that and I get convicted. Because when I began to study this, and God put this sermon on my heart this morning, I said, it's been a long time since I prayed that for my church. Lord, forgive me. You know what? We'll pray a lot of things for our kids and our loved ones and those we care about. But if they're saved, there's nothing that they need more than experience and understand what it's like to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in their inner man. Listen to what he says in verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you may be rooted and grounded in love and may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. If you ever get filled with all the fullness of God, guess what? We're going to have power to live a life. That shares a witness for him. Listen to what he says at the bottom of this. He says, now to him who is able, I like that, to do exceedingly and abundant above all that we even ask, according to what? The power that works in us. You know, the most amazing thing God does is he takes a worldly heart, a carnal man, and he gives him a kingdom God heart. He cleans it. He changes it. And then he changes our whole life. You see, when God is at work, yes, he does things around us. But the greatest thing that he does is what he does within us. And friends, I don't know about you, but isn't it amazing how your heart has changed since you met Jesus? The things that used to draw you, the things that used to you used to look to and depend on changes, doesn't it? The more you walk with him. And friends, listen, his power in us, Paul said to the Colossian church in Colossae, he said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's an awesome thing. He's in us. Christ in our heart. You know what Jesus said about this subject? Jesus told the saints, the, the apostles, 
when he was going back to heaven, he said, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to send you the comforter, the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He says, you go back to Jerusalem and don't do what I've taught you to do. Don't begin ministering. Don't be doing what I've been teaching you to do for three years until the power from on high comes from my Father. You go back. They stayed in a room for days and days. 120 of them praying until the day of Pentecost fell. And the Holy Spirit came and the church was birthed. And it was given power. Why? Because he says when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He didn't say you would witness for me. He said you would be my witness. You see we're not supposed to go witnessing. We're supposed to be a witness. And the power in us, working through us, just by how we live every day, is a testimony. It testifies of Christ in us. And if there's something the world needs to see today, it's a church that is not natural, that is not carnal, that is not like everybody else. That there's no way you can explain what God did to him or what he's doing to her, except that something's in her that's not in everybody else. Guys, I love it when people tell you. Someone told me just the other day, he said, Barth Marvin, Brother Richard, he's not here tonight. He said, when you get up there to preach on Sunday, he's my Sunday, one of my Sunday school teachers, and he says, how do you prepare? I said, I study every day. And I read, no, I'm not talking about your notes. I'm talking about when you get up there, how do you get ready to make that happen to you? And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, the Marvin that gets in that pulpit every Sunday ain't the Marvin that hangs out with me at my shop. <laughs> He said, not that I like that, Marvin. He said, but it's different. I said, I can't explain it, Richard. It's like football. You got butterflies. You're nervous. You're scared. But once you hear that kickoff and that first hit, you just kind of go into autopilot. Guys, listen. If we're walking in the Spirit, living to be a Christian ought to be like autopilot. We ought to not have to think about it, force ourselves. God ought to be able to have freedom to do it to us. Now, listen. If he told his apostles, do not work and serve me as my apostles. Don't go and do the ministry I've trained you to do till you get filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't you think peons like me and some of you <laughs> need to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're going to serve the Lord and expect it to bear fruit? But you know the amazing thing? Even Jesus, while he was on the earth, because he limited himself to be completely man even though he was completely God apparently if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 3 and we're going to begin to close Jesus did not start his three-year earthly ministry till after he was baptized and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and when Jesus got filled with the Holy Spirit I'm going to show you in the scriptures when he came back to his home church and he did what it was his custom to do every church meeting they were amazed and said what happened how, how can that still be Joseph's son you see, there's nothing that takes the place of a person who's a Christian who's filled with the Spirit. When you get around Spirit-filled Christians, can you give me an amen? You know the difference? Man, when they're bearing the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, all the things that the Spirit's doing in their life, it's an easy to recognize difference. And I want you to see, look at what the Scriptures say in Gospel of Luke as it testifies of Christ beginning His ministry. If you look with me in chapter 3, listen what it says in verse 21. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens was opened. And the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon Christ.
And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son and you I am well pleased. Now it's significant that you notice verse 23. Now Jesus himself began his ministry at about 30 years of age. And then it gives you a genealogy of his connection through Joseph and Mary's lineage. Showing you who he was. Giving you his earthly genealogy. And listen, when you get past that and you get to chapter 4, look at verse 1. Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Was Jesus ever not filled with the Holy Spirit? That's an argument for a theologian to think about. Amen. But it does say now that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen what it says. He returned from the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. You know, I looked at that and I said, you know, being led by the Spirit, you don't always get to go where you want to go. Because who would want to go to the wilderness to have a personal meeting with the devil? <laughs> but that's right where the Spirit led him. Because the Spirit is not for us to make us feel spiritual or to entertain us or to give us the goosebumps that I love to get in worship. Amen? The Spirit is so that we can bring glory to the Lord. And Jesus got filled with the Holy Spirit. He had a set up confrontation with the devil. And three times the devil personally tempted Jesus in the wilderness. And every time Jesus dealt with the devil the exact same way that we can deal with the devil. When the devil would tempt him, he'd say, it is written. And he would quote scripture. But have you figured out yet, quoting scripture don't work if you ain't filled with the Holy Ghost? It's true, it's powerful. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you quote the Word of God, there's power. Power. Jesus had power over the devil. Three times he was tempted. And guys, if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit and we're going to experience God's mighty power in our life. What we do with temptation is one of the biggest things that makes a difference on whether or not you're filled with the Holy Spirit tonight and whether or not you're experiencing His power. Because when you let the flesh lead, you're going to do things of the flesh and you're going to grieve the Spirit. And if you grieve the Spirit, the Bible, Paul said, quench not the Spirit. You can quench Him in your life. But when we let the Spirit lead us, even though he led Jesus to the wilderness, Jesus went. Even though he led him to the front lines of a battle with Satan, he went. And he let the Spirit lead his life. And listen, when he left from there, listen what it says. I don't know about y'all, but this will make a Baptist shout. and That's hard to do. <laughs> listen what he did. It says that in verse 13. Now when the devil had ended every temptation. See that's what you got to keep reminding yourself. The temptation will end. If we'll just stand in Christ. That's what that song Peter. I mean Paul. Skeeter was singing about. <laughs> Jesus says just stand there. And I'm going to come with you. And help you through. But listen what he says right here. Now when the devil had ended every temptation. He departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of of the Spirit to Galilee. Now listen, Jesus grew up in Galilee. He lived in Galilee for 30 years up to this time. Jesus who never sinned. Jesus who was the Son of God. Friends, listen, can you imagine living next to Jesus? 
Well, you'd have said, boy, I wish my kids was like Jesus if they was your neighbor. This is Jesus who they grew up with watching him in their neighborhood. But when he came back, listen to what it says. The news of him went out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, that's his hometown, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, so this was his regular practice. Jesus had done this his whole 30-year life, guys. Many times Jesus had stood and read the scriptures in his home synagogue, his church. But listen what happens now. Verse 16, so he became to Nazareth where he had been brought up as his custom was. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the, found the place where it was written, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you know that's the first thing that Jesus said when he started his ministry? And listen to what he says, because he has anointed me. Guys, if Jesus needed the Spirit of the Lord to be upon him, if Jesus needed to be anointed to preach the gospel to the poor, I'm telling you, we all need to be if we're going to be a witness. If we're going to serve him, we must have the power of his might. Listen to what happens. It says, and he was handed the book. He read it. When he got through reading it, look at verse 20. Then he closed the book. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed upon him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And listen to what it says. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And this is what they said. This can't be Joseph's son. <laughs> what has happened to Jesus? You know what? People who watch us, who knew us before Christ, and people who know us after Christ, they ought to say, what in the world has happened to him? He ain't the same. I can't explain it. No, the last thing that anybody can dispute is our witness. Amen? They might say, well, I don't know if that Bible's true, but you know what? When God changes a man... He gives him a new heart. He puts a steadfast spirit within him. And he anoints us with his presence working through us. The world can't argue with that. You know what? No one ever thought Marvin Cooper would stay off Budweiser beer a month, much less 23 years. No one thought I'd ever quit smoking dope. I didn't even think I could. And you know what? There's other things in my life that God has showed me. I don't know about you. He just took drugs. He took alcohol. It was a gift of grace to show me his power. But guys, I still was smoking cigarettes. I'd been smoking them since I was 15. About a year and a half in, he's beginning to use me. He's beginning to... I went on a, a, a visiting night with a deacon and led someone to the Lord. And man.